Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had ordered them. When they saw him, they worshipped, but they doubted. Then Jesus approached and said to them, All power in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go far, go therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always until the end of the age. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, Lord Jesus Jesus Christ. At the end of February, Bishop Espelay, the youngest bishop of the United States, an auxiliary bishop of New York City, gave a presentation to the Religious Ed Congress that was taking place in California. And he began his presentation by asking all those that are there, like 20,000 people, and he says, raise your hand if you believe that what knowing Jesus is all you need for salvation. So almost everybody raised their hand. And then he says, okay, now take your hand and hit it on your head. (laughs) He says the disciples knew Jesus. They were with him for three years, but they didn't get Jesus until they got the Holy Spirit. Next week, we'll get the Holy Spirit. Hopefully, we already have it. But today in our readings, where we are is still in the knowing of Jesus. And as we look at the scriptures today, many times we gloss over kind of insignificant points, missing the depths of how massive those points are. When Jesus rose from the dead and the women came to the tomb and the angels saw them, they said, go and tell the disciples to go to Galilee and there they will see Jesus. Why Galilee? Well, it was Galilee where Jesus' ministry began. It began in that simple area not in the grand metropolis of Jerusalem, but rather in the lowlands of Nazareth and Cana and Capernaum, on the hillsides, in that kind of area, where he engaged people in conversation. He looked at them, saw their needs, responded to them, and revealed that the kingdom of God was at hand in that. And while Jesus is telling his disciples to go to Galilee, He's saying, now it's your turn. This is where I began. Now it's where you begin. Not only in the place of the location of Galilee, but again, to your neighbors, to people around you, people you're engaging in. Remember how I did it. That's how you are to do it. But where in Galilee today? It's on an unnamed mountain. Mountains, again, 
are significant in Matthew's gospel. Because at the time of Jesus' temptations, across from the Jordan in the hillside, the mountains is where the temptations took place. It was on a mountain that he gave that massive sermon. It was on a mountain that the transfiguration took place. And it was a sort of a mountain that the crucifixion also took place. In each of those mountain experiences, not only what was revealed is God's presence to us, but a tension to go against God's presence. The devil tempted him to cave. Jesus wouldn't. I've come to do the will of my Father. The Sermon on the Mount. It was the time of Moses. He told you this. Now I tell you that. No longer an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, but rather to reach out to others, to forgive, to be the salt of the earth, the light of the world, to reach beyond, pray for our enemies. If a person asks for your shirt, give them your coat. The far-reachingness, a fulfillment of Moses. The transfiguration, Elijah, Moses, and Jesus in those dazzling clothes. And the disciples on the other side kind of slept in the clouds not knowing what to think of all of this. And of course, it goes without saying, the tension of the crucifixion. Today also on this mountain event, as Jesus commissions his disciples to go to all the nations of the world, these disciples, who just a month before had failed him miserably, who had never traveled very far in their land, never traveled beyond the land of Israel, He's telling them to go to all the nations and teach by their lives who he is. How daunting that must have been. How unreal. It's like the disciples are thinking, holy moly, what is going on here? Especially as they see Jesus going up in like a hot balloon out of their sight. So they doubted, and yet they worshiped that tension. And I believe that can be our similar experience for us. By our presence here, hopefully it means we are worshiping God. But remember the scriptures of the living word of God. So he's saying to us, you now, Go to your neighbors, to people around you, people you work with, like your Galilees in your life. Touch their lives, teach them as I taught them, be a present to them, sharing, revealing new ways. And I believe we say, how can we do this when religion, particularly in Christianity, especially, is seemingly being snuffed out of society and wanting to be silenced. But remember the time of Jesus with the Roman Empire and the massive obstacles the disciples must have seen before them. And yet, as we will celebrate next week with that Holy Spirit, who moved them beyond their doubts, Christianity spread like wildfire without one kind of arm or violence. 
is spread because of the witness of their lives. When Jesus appeared to Mary Magdalene, the first physical person that Jesus appears to in the resurrection, she goes to him and he says, don't cling to me. Means don't just sit there or be there and hold on to me and worship. But rather again, he says, go and tell my disciples that the true worship of me is to imitate my life. That is the true witness that we are worshiping God. And if we believe that Jesus is God and that God knows what God is doing, that as he entrusted his words to these disciples with hopefulness, he entrusts these same words with us with the same hopefulness the same ability to transform our world as broken and as fractured as it is to be there. We call it real presence. In the ascension, Jesus' physical body ascended to heaven, but his body of Christ continues to be with us. It's in the sacraments, in the Eucharist that we receive. We receive, this is what's a valuable uniqueness to our faith, that God is with us. In the very first chapter of Matthew's Gospel, I believe it is verse 23 if you want to look it up, as the angel comes to the sleeping Joseph, and in that dream, encourages him to take Mary as his wife, and that the child born to him will be called Emmanuel, God with us. In these very last lines of the gospel that we heard today, Jesus says the same thing. I will always be with you until the age, to the end of the age, end of time. God is with us. So as we celebrate and worship in our presence that Jesus is Lord and Savior of our life, and we know him in the truths of the faith that we profess, let us take on that the physical presence of Jesus still is with us because it lives through us. When we leave these church doors, God's presence doesn't stay here. It is carried with us. The disciples really, by the Holy Spirit that we again in Pentecost, but we've already had our Pentecost, that is what we are to take in our daily lives to the Galilee around us to be that presence of Christ. May we truly become what God sees possible in us. And to do that, I believe, links us back to the famous prayer of St. Teresa of Avila, who wrote these words to herself, but to us. And what she wrote, I believe you heard them, but to reaffirm those words, to remember. God has no body now but yours. No hands now but yours. No feet but yours. Yours are the eyes through which Christ's compassion must look out on the world. Yours are the feet 
with which he must go about doing good. Yours are the hands with which he is to bless us now. May our Holy Communion, believing in the real presence that Christ is with us and lives through us, let us truly, in the midst of even our doubts, sharing with the disciples, become the authentic imitators of Christ as we know what was filled in the Acts of the Apostles. It all bridges on, do we believe? Let us stand and profess what we believe.